Good noon. Um, I'm David Greenhaw. I'm the interim senior minister here at Naples United Church of Christ, and I am very happy to welcome you to our midweek meditation today. Um, and those of you who are joining us online, I want to especially uh, extend a welcome to you also. Uh, we have a, a wonderful uh, service today and a real treat uh, in that uh, we have two of the best people in the world here. Um, one, of course, is Dr. Oh, yeah, yeah. One is Dr. Alexandra Carlson, and uh, Dr. Carlson is our pianist, and she plays and accompanies us, and uh, I make her blush because I tell her the same thing all the time, which I don't. She's my favorite pianist in the world. I just love her, uh, her playing. And uh, so she, uh, she will be our musician for the day. And then uh, this congregation, uh, like uh, many congregations, uh, had its seasons. And one of its best seasons was a season of growth and expansion and building and work uh, during the leadership of the Reverend Ron Patterson. Uh, Ron Patterson is an ordained minister of the United Church of Christ. He holds a degree from Andover Newton Theological Seminary, a Master of Divinity. Uh, he's a graduate, I think, of Heidelberg College. Is that right? And, uh, and uh, then he and I, have, then he, uh, he got a great doctor of ministry at Eden Theological Seminary, where I served as the president, but uh, I didn't get to sign his diploma. He did it before I uh, uh, went there. Uh, he's old, yes. And I know how old he is because he and I served together in Long Island as pastors, he on the North Shore, me on the South Shore, uh, when both of us weren't old. Um, Ron, uh, Ron also has an honorary doctorate from Heidelberg University, his alma mater, uh, recognize him. And there again, we share that too. I got one of those great things. So it's wonderful. So we have a, we have a long, strong history of working together in the United Church of Christ. But I have enjoyed being here and seeing the fruits of his very fine ministry while he was here. Uh, the fruits of uh, people who joined during that time, the, the building of the endowment, the, the focus on missions, so many things that make this church what it, what it is were things that he worked with you to make ha- uh, happen here. So Ron, uh, we're delighted to have you today as uh, our uh, meditation uh, speaker. So welcome. Oh, this looks great. Will you join me, please, in prayer? Let us pray together. Bless our gathering today, loving God. Remind us during this Lenten season of the journey your child Jesus made toward Jerusalem. So often we imagine that we walk alone. So often we catch ourselves down in some valley, thinking we are abandoned on the way. May you give us the strength to remember who we are, to whom we belong, and that we share with the people around us the image of a love that will never let us go, no matter how lonesome the valley. In Jesus, amen. Listen. Listen now for word of power and hope 
from the Gospel according to Matthew. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. These words speak the power of life. They may be trusted. Let us pray. Holy One, open this word in our midst. May we hear a word our life needs, a word to support our journey. In Jesus, amen. You know, it, uh, it's such an absolute joy to be standing here again, uh, to be able to do this, which <laughs> was always one of my great joys to see familiar faces and, and people and memories and so much more. Um, the only greater joy I have is the memories uh, that Charlie and I carried into our retirement. Um, I still every week say, no matter where we are in worship, that I worship and I find God's presence most fully and most blessedly in the music. So thank you, Dr. Weiss, and uh, thank you, Dr. Carlson. Uh, you are a blessing, as are you. Um, it is probably not a surprise to some of you who know me um, that I'll begin my meditation today with the words, when I was a little kid on the farm. <laughs> well, when I, when I was a little kid on the farm, uh, part of my chores included helping to milk and feed and clean up after 25 dairy cows. And uh, that's a lot of milking for a little kid and a lot of feeding and especially a lot of cleaning up. Uh, since those wonderful cows were not potty trained, uh, nor were they paper trained. Uh, I loved them. I knew them all by name. I always fantasized still today that they loved me too. And I want to point out, for those of you from Wisconsin or Minnesota, uh, these were not the ordinary black and white kind, those highly productive milk machines. These were Guernseys, beautiful tan and white 
whose milk was a deep golden color, and we also had a few jerseys, the color of Siamese cats with personalities to match, whose milk was, was so rich that it was like coffee creamer straight from the cow. My Jersey cow tested in at 15.5% butterfat the first time she freshened. More than you need to know. <laughs> every, every single morning like clockwork, just as we were finishing the chores, I, I would hear the grinding gears of, and the roaring engine of the big milk truck as it headed up the long hill to my great-grandparents' Holmes County, Ohio farm to pick up the 10-gallon milk cans we had filled that morning and the night before. I can still hear the clang of the cans as the big man hefted them up onto the truck. The truck was white and red and painted on the side of that truck in fancy letters was the name Carnation. Above a scroll with a famous slogan, do you remember what it was? Milk from contented cows. That memory popped into my head as, as, as I thought about the quintessential Lenten story of Jesus in the wilderness. Um, this story is probably about many profound and mysterious things, but for today, I want to briefly use it as a platform to consider contentment and the human temptation to abandon contentment for the phony promise of something more. Remember Peggy Lee's 1969 hit? Anybody want to stand up and sing it? <laughs> no, just kidding. What is contentment? Like a lot of retired people, I struggle mightily with contentment. Charlie will fill you in on that in greater detail later. Uh, I remember that one of you jokingly suggested that Naples was the land of who did you used to be. And while we no longer live in Naples, I live there. <laughs> to live content is to live in peace and joy with ourselves, our neighbors, and our world. Contentment is about accepting who we are as God's children and accepting others as the same and committing ourselves to live in loving relationship with the whole creation. Jesus is the one who lived the contents of contentment completely. Jesus loved, he lived, he served, and set before us the way of life that leads to contentment. But you know, don't you, that there's a problem? We know all about contentment up here in our heads. But dancing around in that same place like some evil twin that keeps on dancing unacknowledged is all this other stuff that robs us of our contentment. I know the way of contentment, but I'm often not content. I'm often not content down here in my heart and I suspect that many others might find that true. I know what Jesus said, but often I'm not listening or act as if I'm not listening. If 
to love as Jesus loved leads to contentment, then sometimes I fail to love with that same reckless abandon. I'm restless with myself and the people around me and with the world. I sometimes get angry. I sometimes get impatient with myself and with others, and then I worry about it, and I fret, and I, and I waste my energy, and I throw my life force into dead-end thinking that bottles up the divine image that every one of us carries with, with useless regrets over what might have, could have, should have, would have been. Ever feel that way? Let's look at our gospel story. The story says that the tempter, and please do not confuse what this story implies about the devil with some cute character in a red union suit. Evil is real in the world. Evil comes to Jesus and says, turn these stones into bread. Evil comes to you and me and says, what we have, what we possess, defines our worth in the eyes of the world, and that's all that matters, and that's all that is real. Evil is forever saying, if you want to be content, pile up more stuff. Buy this, own that, supersize your happy meal, and you will find contentment. But, but Jesus says, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus says that the best things in life, from a sunrise to a hug, are free. Walk the way of love, and you will be content. And then the voice of evil tries again, demanding that Jesus put God to the test. Jump off a high building, and God will catch you. Turn God into a cosmic miracle maker whose presence in your life will handle whatever it is you cannot handle. Make God your lapdog who jumps at your prayer command. And while this needs more time than I have today, it has something to do with evil tempting us to create God in our own image to take care of whatever exercise and diet can't. Don't test God, Jesus says. Don't make God so small. God is not something only bigger than every other thing. God is being beyond all beings, embracing all that is in mystery. Contentment is giving in to the mystery and knowing that we are held secure in the everlasting arms. And and the last contentment-destroying temptation blends those first two into one by tempting Jesus to find his contentment in power. I will give you power over people. I will give you political power. I will give you power in the world. I will make you famous, evil proclaims. I I read a survey recently that suggested that 75% of people would like to be famous. I'm not sure what that means, but Jesus chose another way. He chose the way of love. Jesus invites us to join us on the journey in the strange language of that love. That the first shall be last. The one who serves is the greatest of all. Consider the lilies of the field, 
the birds of the air. Become childlike in your caring and in your giving. Remember that the only thing you will ever have is what you're willing to give away. Love as I have loved. Love one another. Love your enemies. Love and accept yourself. Stir up, stir up some good trouble like St. John Lewis said, remembering the Jesus who led his life. The contents of contentment defined the terrible temptations denied. God, give us the strength to embrace contentment on the way that leads to life. Amen. Now, uh, I'm not sure how I should bless you all because you've blessed me by your presence. And uh, thank you for being here. And you are a blessing uh, to all of us and to this congregation. Um, Can I take you back to Seattle with me? (laughs) Uh, Go now into your week to stir up some good trouble. Let your light shine. Let somebody mistake you for Jesus and give you a hard time about that. And may the blessing of God, creator, redeemer, and spirit be with you this day and always. Amen.